0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Duke Wisdom Podcast. I uh, just had a, a bit of a scare myself, and my laptop wouldn't turn on this morning, and I decided to wait until the morning after the Baylor game to record the podcast instead of so, the night of like I normally would. You know, schedules get more hectic around the holidays, but we're good. the uh, The computer's on, and and I'm ready to talk shop. Uh, Duke picked up its biggest win. Of the season in a game that I, I deemed Duke's biggest game of the season. Baylor, certainly um, one of the Duke's best opponents left on the schedule. Really, the only competition for that title being North Carolina. Some would argue Clemson, though. Uh, but but Duke picks up a huge win and in a very convincing way for most of the game. They started the game with a fantastic game plan, executing uh, almost flawlessly on both ends of the floor very few errors opening up driving lanes uh some good driving kick action and defensively they were they showed intensity energy everything that we've been asking to see from them really the only problem toward the end of the half was the boxing out and the bigs just driving right into the uh the paint not throwing up any pump fakes and just getting their their stuff sent I'll talk more about that, but this is such a positive step in the right direction for Duke. They're now, uh, I believe, seven seven and three, no, eight and three. They're now eight and three on the season, and they have one more non-conference game against Queens coming up on the thirtieth. I would think that Duke would take a win on that in that game, and end up nine and three heading into the more. Conference well, the entirely conference heavy schedule. Uh they start those games with against Syracuse and then Notre Dame. I think it's at Notre Dame. Two very winnable games to start out uh conference play, which hopefully can get Duke to two and one after starting with a loss to Georgia Tech for conference play. But this is big. This has the opportunity to be Duke's best win on its resume, uh, if they can't go get a win at UNC or something like that. If they don't get a win there, this could end up as Duke's best win assuming Baylor doesn't um, fall off the deep end from this point forward, which now Duke fans need to be the biggest Baylor fans of all time. They need Baylor to just play terrifically and they need to keep rooting for Michigan state to do everything they can. I mean, Michigan state's a number 23 team on Ken Palm because their resume is just so crazy. You know, they go out of their way to play really, really tough matchups and because of that, they don't ever really fall that far on Ken Pom's ratings because of how just how many good teams and quality opponents they play against, like Michigan State is six and five right now, but twenty third on Kenpom that's kind of crazy. They got a twenty four point win against Baylor. uh, they lost to Nebraska though that was tough. They lost to uh Wisconsin, but they're ranked that was tough though they lost to Arizona, uh, but only by six. And then they beat Butler, who's a pretty solid team, by 20. And they lost Duke. And they lost to James Madison, who are both ranked teams as well. So at the end of the day, it's like, you got four ranked losses in Nebraska. You got a decent win against Butler, who could be a tournament team, and then a very convincing win against Baylor. So Michigan State has the opp- My point in talking about that is that Michigan State has the opportunity given how many tough games they play to turn that resume around and turn themselves into a solid tournament team and turn that Duke win into a solid win by the end of the season. That's the hope. Baylor isn't a gauntlet of a conference in the big 12. It won't be easy for them to maintain a top 15 resume or a top 15 ranking rather resume. They'll be able to do it probably. And Duke's got to hope that they can because a lot of their seating at the end of the year might be inhingent upon uh what's this win look like by march but what it looks like in december is a really good win and i think no matter what baylor does the rest of the season this win is huge for duke because it is such a confidence builder it is something that duke can build upon and make a really good good season off the foundation of this win they looked great in so many ways they fixed so many different issues and now duke uh is two and zero all time against baylor and it's so crazy uh, that the end score of this game was almost the exact same score as the first time Duke played Baylor, which was in the Elite Eight in 2010. Uh, Duke won last night, of course, 78 to 70. They won in 2010 in the Elite Eight, 78 to 71, just a one point difference. I went down a rabbit hole looking at that game and uh, and checked on the box score. And it is why I didn't remember this, but it is so wild how they won that game with Kyle Singler shooting O of 10. Kyle Singler shooting O of 10 from, from the floor and O of five from three is just crazy. But uh, huge games from from Nolan Smith and, and then Coach John Shire in that one. 29 for Nolan, 20 for John. Uh, it was it was Jared McCain who had the big game in 2023 though. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke Athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to DukeWisdom.org slash join network today and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore Wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network. DM at Duke underscore Wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, McCain now, in two of his last three, has scored exactly 21 points, which is, of course, both games tied for his career best. He's been huge. He has turned it around. I mean, he was averaging like, you know, I think six or seven points a game at a point. He's now ten and a half points per game. Uh, I was constantly questioning, like, why is he still on first round mocks? I'm not questioning it as much anymore. I think he's like uh, maybe a 45 percent three point shooter. And he and Jeremy Roach continue to shoot the ball fantastically from three. Roach needs to shoot more. He's a 50 percent three point shooter. He's only got two attempts in that game. I think he still needs to shoot more threes. I think the team as a whole probably does need to shoot more threes, only 12 attempts. Um, but I think McCain and, and Roach specifically, and then even some attempts from Foster wouldn't hurt. But and power, but I'll get into that more. Jared McCain, though, seven of 11 from the floor, three of six from three and perfect from the line. His shooting splits are fantastic um, from three and from the free throw line, especially. I, I'm pretty sure, though want to look at those specifically i know that he did miss a free throw so it's not a hundred percent anymore he's missed some he's 87 and a half percent but that's terrific 44.9 so i was right just about 45 percent from 3 He's shooting 44 from the floor uh and what has really impressed me from jared mccain and what has really improved is i think his, his biggest problem at the beginning of the season wasn't that he wasn't hitting a bunch of threes he was still hitting some threes it was he wasn't being aggressive and trying to find a shot. And when he was, he was just kind of aimlessly driving into the paint, into nothing, or even turning it over. Um, but now he is finding the right lanes. He's using his body to shield off contact, and he's finishing in the paint. He's able to get the his scoring going on all three levels, which is very important to freeing up more of those three pointers. Because when Jared McCain's playing well, Duke is playing very well. That is, I think, a d- very direct correlation. And he can be huge for this team because of his three-point shooting, but he's been able to open the floor up and, and really get those looks going inside and in those driving lanes. His finishing was terrific. Caleb Foster's finishing was terrific. He, he played 34 minutes a starter again with Tyrese Proctor, still out with that sprained ankle. And he was 4-9 from the floor. bunch of really solid drives from Foster and some really tough shots. He ends up with 12 points, made all his free throws. As a team, the team went 24-29 from the line. Which was huge. A couple misses from Mark, couple misses from Flip, and a miss from Jeremy, but other than that, they were perfect. Um, but Foster, another great game for Caleb Foster, uh, in the starting lineup. His driving was terrific, as was McCain's, and as was Jeremy Roach's, who has now scored eighteen, I wanna say six consecutive games at least. Uh, Jeremy Roach has been just phenomenal over this this stretch and this month and um, spanning into last month with the Arkansas game, where Duke did, Duke did lose, but Jeremy Roach started what has become an insanely good stretch of basketball for the senior captain. He played all 40 minutes. He was five and nine from the floor, one of two from three. That needs to go up, but seven of eight from the line as well. Three dimes. Just terrific game for Jeremy Roach. Every game has been a terrific game for Roach. He's taking dudes off the dribble, finding finding lanes, finding ways to score. Scored in a huge moment with a mid-range shot. Um, you know, I I know I posted a a Jalen Blake's Mr. December thing like last week or something. And somebody was like, Well, you know, who's Mr. March? This is Mr. March. Jeremy Roach is Mr. March. He's done it in big moments before during that final four run in twenty-two. He's a very clutch player. He's obviously the guy we want to have the ball at the end of a game, and he has shown that. He continues to show that. And in a lot of ways, Jeremy Roach is, is this team's most important player in a lot of ways, and he continues to show just how valuable he is. And again, if you haven't already filed your apology form, if you're one of those people that thought he was going to be the fourth or fifth best player on this team and that he wasn't going to improve all that much, you still have time to, to, to file that apology. You know, we're not going to hold it against you. You can do it. You can still do it. Um, Shout out to what Jeremy Roach has done, though, man, just terrific. And Jared McCain, the two of them. What a backcourt. And it is Sprinkle Caleb Foster going and getting buckets in there right now? What a backcourt. And, and to me, it's like all three of these guys are really finding their own right now. Well, what's it going to look like again? You no, know, it sounds a little stupid to be worried about reintegrating a projected lottery pick point guard into the rotation. But it's like in the three games now that Proctor's been out, these three guys have really found their role. They found what they're supposed to do. And they're doing it very well. And so I am actually maybe a little bit concerned about reintegrating Tyrese Proctor into the rotation because it's like, how is that going to affect these three guys' roles that they have found? But, you know, it's just the worry wart in me that changing anything is going to make something go awry. But ultimately, Proctor should slip uh, back into the rotation very well and hopefully find his own because Proctor... was struggling to shoot the ball a little bit, obviously being a very good distributor. And when Tyrese comes back, you'd like to see him get more buckets like the guards are doing. I think the offense has to be the, the guards have to be the focal point of the offense uh, because a lot of teams, and I think this is how Scott drew played, drew up the plans for this game was we have to stop Kyle Filipowski. Kyle Filipowski is Duke. Look at his numbers, look at what he's doing. uh, And you could tell that there was a lot of emphasis on stopping Kyle Filipowski. And for most of this game, uh, there was a lot of success for Baylor in stopping Kyle Filipowski, but it really didn't matter because Duke's uh, best part of their game isn't Kyle. It's the guards. You know, I've ragged on the three and four guard lineups, but there's a reason John plays them. The guards are good. They're good. And they finally have found their own where now I'm not mad about three guard lineups. I'll still be mad about four guard lineups, but three guard lineups, they're looking good now. They're working Um, and Scott drew needed to prepare a little bit more for that than he did for Filipowski. And I think that ended up being Baylor's fatal flaw. I ended the game a little bit too much emphasis on stopping Kyle Filipowski. And ultimately, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, was, was, was Macy who, who decided to take Kyle straight out of that game for a lot of time. He ended up with five blocks for Baylor and Kyle Filipowski, with, for all the time he spends in practice with Ryan Young, you would think that, that Flip would have picked up some pump fakes, but apparently that's not the case. Uh, often he and Mark would just kind of drive straight in and, and, and get sent. They both end up with pretty decent games, though. They took advantage of the opportunities and looks. They did get Filipowski with 13 and 10. It's hard to call that a bad game, but it uh, didn't feel like a great one for Flip. But he ends up with that. Three steals, four assists. He still ends up with a great game, honestly, on the stat sheet. Ten points for Mark Mitchell as well. Solid game for him. Still can't get that three point bug uh, down. He came into the night 5.9% from three, and he missed both shots. Uh, but uh, what I appreciate from Mark is that he's remained aggressive. Is that what, what we asked from him preseason is that he go and he seek shots in an aggressive manner because that would be a difference maker for Duke. And he's done that. And even in the face of missing a bunch of shots, missing chippers, not being able to hit a three for the life of him, he's remained aggressive. He's not shied away. He's not just passing the ball off. And that's what I appreciate. The, sh- the makes are going to start to come. And when they do, his role will make Duke extremely scary. Filipowski, of course, um, is maybe Duke's best player. Uh, well, probably he is Duke's best player, but he's maybe uh, one of the first. Best players Duke's had uh, that has gotten maybe the most flack consistently on the team. Uh, Besides Ryan Young, who I think easily gets the most flack on this team, but I want to do a big old shout out to Ryan. Ryan Young is not really a bad defender because of mechanics. He knows how to play defense. He's often in pretty decent positions. However, he just doesn't have the athleticism to do it sometimes. <laughs> and and that ends up resul- resulting in, in some buckets for the other team, and it did for Baylor in the first half when he got some minutes. But man, Howell got in foul trouble. He got that fourth foul at the end of the toward the end of the game. Ryan Young comes in, and Ryan Young just a dog tying up the ball, getting boards, getting buckets, free throws. Ryan Young played a huge role in in claiming that win for Duke. And again, apology forms for Ryan Young are there to fill out. I do think it is a bit a uh, a bit quizzical to to know why Sean Stewart didn't play again. Because Sean, being the athletic player that he is, would have made sense to try to uh, combat Messi and his athleticism. Obviously, Sean Stewart egged John's house, uh, so he's not going to be playing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've pretty much given up on Sean. Obviously, something's going down in practice. Like, in practice, Sean's not showing the coaching staff what they need to see uh, for him to see major minutes in these games. And I'm not going to argue with it anymore, because if that's the case, I, you know there's not a whole lot of argument I can make. Guys have to show up in those ways and show the coaches that they're ready. Um, ultimately, the trust was put in Ryan Young, and, well, he answered the call when he needed to in this one. So, big game for Ryan Young. Kyle still got numbers despite it not looking pretty, but he, he, he still did well. The guards, though, were the, the talk of the town, man. Those three guys were fantastic. Not a whole lot from the bench. You know, Jalen Blake's Mr. December did play 10 minutes. Uh, played some pretty good defense at times, but ultimately laid a goose egg. DJ Power played three minutes to not shoot. Again, don't know why he plays when he's not getting three point looks. Uh, beating a dead horse with that argument, though, apparently. But Duke got a win, and Duke got a huge win for them and for their resume. The Blue Devils are now eighth on Ken Palm, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt, because Auburn is 7th and BYU is 5th, but (laughs) and Iowa State is 10 and Alabama is 9, so take that with a grain of salt. Ken Palm rankings don't mean everything, but it means at least, you know, despite the rough start, Duke's looking pretty good on metrics, and that's nice, that's nice to see, because before that Baylor game just happened, it didn't feel like Duke was, was looking good, although ultimately they were still 12th on Ken Palm before last night, so you know, it is what it is, but a, a really good showing and Duke, hopefully, although never let your guard down, can let out a little bit of a, an exhale. Problem now is that if Duke's going to get a higher seed in the tournament, you'd like to see him only have like six losses, maybe seven, which would mean that Duke has room to lose three to four games the rest of the season to make that happen. But they also have to build a high tournament resume with big wins. Duke only plays Clemson once. They only play Virginia once. They only play Miami once. They do play Carolina twice, of course. I think the likelihood of them sweeping Carolina is pretty low, though. So Duke needs to split Carolina, beat Miami, beat Clemson, beat Virginia. That's a big ask. That's a big ask. And then the question comes, if they're, even, if they're able to do that, where are the losses? If they're losing three three more games, four more games, who are they losing to? You know, for not to be too bad, those losses would need to be like at Virginia Tech, at NC State, at Wake Forest. Those losses aren't great losses, although they're not horrible. So don't lose to Georgia Tech again is a great, uh, a great place to start. <laughs> but they've got double headers with like Notre Dame, double headers with Louisville, um, of course, with Wake Forest, I think with Pitt. be wrong about that so they don't have an incredibly tough conference slate all things considered they have a chance to 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 put up a 16 i'd like to see a 16-4 record so that's three more losses that's a lot to ask i think a more realistic wish would be a 16-4 finish and they end up with five losses uh in conference play and seven on the season I, i that would be fine. I think that would be a fine ending for, for, for the year, but they can, they can do well with this. If they build on this Baylor win, I think they have so much room to look even better. Get Tyrese Proctor back, they can look even better. I think they need to lean into the three-point shooting more. This team, the way Shire's building these rosters, their identity is built around being able to shoot threes. I know Mark Mitchell's not doing it. I know Kyle doesn't do it at a high level often, but Jared McCain should sh- shoot about at least six times from three a game like he did. In this one and Jeremy Roach can, should shoot way more than twice than three every game. He should shoot more like five or six times from three with the way he's shooting right now. TJ Power, Powers playing these minutes. Please, please let him get a, at least a couple threes up in those minutes, man. Like make it worthwhile. This team can be a really spectacular three point shooting team, and that can be part of its identity. And it should be part of its identity. So I, I'd love to see them lean into that a little bit more going forward. That would be lovely, but this is a terrific start for this team in turning its season around. Uh, They've got Queens up next on the thirtieth, and we got time to talk about that because it's still nine days away. They're ranked two hundred seventy on Ken Palm. They're six and seven. This should not be a very. This is, I think, their first year in Division One. uh, Queens out of Charlotte, North Carolina. This this shouldn't be the most difficult game for Duke. It, but obviously, again, I said it earlier. Don't let your guard down. But they should be able to to power through this one. Just be glad that uh the 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 Blue Devils are are heading into Christmas with a uh three-game winning streak. And on that note, thank you guys for for tuning in um as always. And I hope you guys have a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas if that is what you in fact celebrate. And I hope you're enjoying this this fantastic duke run that these blue devils are on and uh make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening follow duke wisdom on instagram and twitter and we'll i'll be back at this i don't know when maybe i'll do a a episode next thursday probably for a queen's preview and a little bit of other stuff because I probably will not be recording on Christmas. (laughs) And uh, also, they don't play again until the Queens game. So just savor this Baylor win, and uh, you guys will hear from me in a week. Thanks so much.